Well, hello. Welcome to Church at Home, Snowmageddon edition. Uh, if you're watching this, it's because uh, for safety reasons, I decided to cancel church since we're in the middle of the snowpocalypse. Uh, and so Doug and I are kind of a two-man show. He's running uh, video for me while I talk, and then I'm going to run back there and run video and slides for him while he does worship, and then we'll switch again, and I'll do teaching. Uh, but uh, should be enjoyable. Excited to be uh, with you guys, even online today. Uh, do want to just remind you of a couple ways you can connect with us as a church. You can go to Cheyenne.Church. That's our website. Uh, click on the Connect tab, and on when you get there, you can... Um, find a way to uh, join with us through our weekly bulletins. Also, if you go to Facebook or Instagram, uh, you can find us there as well. We have all kinds of neat updates there and different conversations and photos and things you can look at to uh, be connected in a digital format. Um, if you are uh, wanting to join in with the idea of life groups or small groups, it's something we've wanted to get better at as a church for a long time. Uh, we're actually going to have a host training for that. Uh, we're looking for people that want to open up their homes to lead small groups. Uh, we're not going to leave you on your own with this. We'll actually train you for this. And so uh, we have coming up starting this Tuesday, 316 at 630 p.m., a, a home group host training, a life group host training. And you can uh, go to Cheyenne.Church slash events to sign up for that. Uh, or you'll see on the screen there a couple of phone numbers, Kim Small and Hank. And hopefully they'll be able to give you some more details if you're looking for that. Uh, in addition to that, last year because of COVID, instead of March Madness, we had March Sadness and we missed the NCAA tournament. Uh, but now that that's back, we're going to uh, get all the basketball fans back together. And even those that don't even like basketball but just want to join in, uh, get a chance to fill out a bracket. Those brackets gets announced on Sunday, and so those will be available to pick up at the church office on Monday, or you can print your own bracket from the internet. Fill that out. Again, you don't have to have any experience to do that. Oftentimes, those are the people that end up winning, uh, but the best bracket, if that is returned to the office by Thursday, uh, Thursday morning, so we can get those play-in games, but the best bracket... $50 has been donated for that. So good chance to pick up 50 bucks, but also to just have a little fun and compete with other people. Uh, then we have coming up a worship night. That's at Berean Church coming up March 26th and 27th at 7 p.m. Uh, it's a collaboration worship night with uh, members from Berean Church, Calvary Chapel, and Cheyenne Hills worship teams. They've combined uh, to make uh, one super worship team. And uh, through that, we can have just a couple of great nights of worship. Uh, you will have to register for that online to attend uh, with uh, social distancing in mind. Uh, if you see the big screen, hopefully there should be a QR code there. You can just scan that with your phone real quick. That'll take you to the link to register. Or if you don't have the technology for that, you can call Berean uh, Church and they will help you get signed up for that. Uh, and then I also want to tell you about our Easter services. Easter is coming up on uh, Sunday, April 4th. Uh, we're going to go back to our normal scheduled services for that. So 4-3, that's Saturday on the 3rd of April at 6 p.m. We will go ahead and have our first service for that. Uh, there will be uh, nursery and toddler available for that, no other Sunday school classes. But then the next day, Sunday, we'll have our 9 and 11 a.m. services. All the Calvary Kids stuff will be available. So please invite your friends. Uh, and with that, I'm going to open us up with prayer. Doug's going to uh, head up here so we can do a little bit of work Worship, and then we can get into the word. Heavenly Father, so thankful for today. Uh, Lord, it truly is a blessing to have the technology that we have, the opportunities that we have uh, to still worship you uh, remotely and yet together at distance and yet uh, close to one another in this way. 
Father, my prayer, my hope would be uh, that you would be honored and glorified by this time, uh, that you would see us here uh, in the church on Saturday, uh, setting this up and doing the work, uh, but at the same point uh, in individual homes, that your uh, spirit would receive the worship of the folks that are worshiping at home as a, a sweet aroma. Lord, we bring this to you, we offer this to you as a a gift in hopes that uh, we can honor you in all things. Lord, we do love you and we want to represent you well in this world. And so we pray that you would receive our love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. It's all you, Doug. All right. We're going to have to transition to the cameras. It's still over here on Sean. I'm going to put my hand in the frame. Ready? It's a two-man show. It's a lot of fun. Always, always excitement around here at Calvary Chapel Cheyenne. So, if uh, if you're sitting, if you're standing, if you're hanging out in your pajamas, if you're fully dressed, it doesn't matter. Let's go ahead and worship together this morning. Lift up your voices. Lift up your voices and lift up your praise. Join with the heavens declaring the wonders of His faithfulness forever. Sing of the victory, the hope of the world. The Savior has risen, the Spirit has come to bring us into love forever oh we are the people of God with the freedom of hope in our hearts how great is the love of the Father lifted from darkness and into the light The sons and the daughters are loved at a price. Our God has made us His forever. Oh, we are the people of God with the freedom of hope in our hearts. How great is the love of the Father. Oh, we are the people of God with the freedom of hope in our hearts. How great is the love of the Father. This is the song of the redeemed, the ransomed and the free. Given life at such a price, this is love. This is love And when the Father calls us home And we see Him on the throne Hear the voices sing as one This is love, this is love Oh, we are the people of God with the freedom of hope in our hearts, how great is the love of the Father. Oh, we are the people of God with the freedom of hope in our hearts, how great is the love of the Father. Sing that one more time. 
whole we are, the people of God with the freedom of hope in our hearts, our greatest, the love of the Father. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Indeed I find Thy power in Thine alone Jesus died my soul to save And melt the heart of stone Jesus paid it all All to Him I owe Sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow and when before the throne I stand in him complete Jesus died my soul to save My lips shall still repeat Jesus paid it all All to Him I owe Sin had left a crimson stain He washed it white as snow Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life up from the dead. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain He washed it white as snow Father God, we're so grateful for today Even if we're buried in snow 
Lord, we're just grateful that we can come before you, that we can worship, that we can connect via this technology. We're just so grateful for the resources you've given us to allow us to do church. We're just so grateful for what you're doing in our congregation, what you're doing in our midst. We ask and we pray that you'd be with Pastor Sean this morning as um, he leads us in the word. We praise you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. doing one chapter here in the book of Colossians. I guess I forgot to turn my microphone on, so now you're actually getting to hear me. Uh, But Colossians chapter 2 is where we are. Uh, Did one chapter last week, Colossians chapter 1, trying to do one chapter a week, working our way through the New Testament. Uh, As we get into uh, Colossians, you'll recognize uh, this idea here in the book of Colossians that the Apostle Paul is, is really kind of struggling and worrying about uh, this church in Colossae. He didn't start this church. The church was already started by somebody else, but he's heard about that church, uh, and he just wants to care for them. He wants to take care of them, make sure that everything is under control, uh, that their faith is intact, that they have good doctrine, and that they're ready to accomplish God's will in this world. And so this letter really serves as an opportunity for him uh, to serve them in this way. Uh, the theme for the book of Colossians, we're going to keep going back to it. It's just that we are made complete in Jesus Christ, that we don't need uh, any other gods. We don't need any other religion. We don't need any other practices. Uh, He is fully God, and because he's fully God, uh, he can complete us in our salvation and everything else that we need from him. So uh, we'll pick it up here then in chapter 2. And uh, I'll break this down into five uh, distinct sections, each one of them listing out a struggle that the Apostle Paul has, uh, and then his solution for how that church can deal with the struggle uh, that he has on their behalf, the worry that he has for them. So the first one will be the first seven verses here. Uh, Let me read all the way through it, and then I'll go back and catch some of the details. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are at Laodicea, and for all those who have not personally seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love, and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive argument. For even though I am absent in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. So here's the Apostle Paul again, just letting those, uh, those Christians, those saints at Colossae know that he really does struggle on their behalf. He wants them to be encouraged in their faith. He wants them to be, in verse 2, knit together in love. He wants them to have all the wealth that comes with full assurance. Uh, he wants them to have true knowledge of God's mystery. And he even gives us what the knowledge of that mystery is. If you ever want to know what the mystery of God is, it is Christ himself. And in Jesus Christ, then, we have 
All the treasure, all the wisdom, all the knowledge, everything that you need right there is in Jesus Christ. And so Paul's big concern is that someone will, uh, as he looks at it, delude you with a persuasive argument uh, that they might find some way to mislead you, uh, some way to deceive you, or some way to fool you to thinking that Jesus Christ is not enough for your salvation. That's what Paul's big concern is. And as a pastor, I can certainly recognize that concern. Uh, I can see how easy it seems to be uh, for people to have a solid uh, biblical-based faith and then all of a sudden here comes something they read in a book, here comes something they heard in a song, something they saw in a movie or that a friend shared with them over coffee and the next thing you know that solid faith begins to be a shaky faith and they start to get drawn off into all these other things where people kind of get to this idea well, like, yeah, it's great that you have Jesus but there's also great great treasure over here. Follow me. We'll look at this treasure. No, what he wants us to know is the treasure is Jesus Christ. And if you need secret wisdom, then it's not real wisdom. If you need some sort of unknown knowledge that only special people get, it's not real knowledge. You only get real wisdom. You only get real knowledge from Jesus Christ. And so there's all kinds of things that can fit into that. Paul will address those uh, in, in a deeper fashion as he goes forward. Uh, but ultimately, what he's going to get to uh, in his answer to them, uh, in his solution to their problem, is found there in verse 4. I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive argument. For even though I am absent in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline, the stability of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him having been firmly rooted and now built up and established in your faith, just as you were instructed, overflowing with gratitude. The answer to persuasive arguments is to continue to walk in Jesus Christ in the same way that you received him. When you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, and I think he specifically words it this way, uh, he's gonna use all of Jesus's names at the same time. Uh, it's Christ Jesus the Lord. He hits all three of them. And now typically when we see somebody do that, it's because they're in trouble and you got to throw the middle name in there to really get somebody's attention. Uh, so when I was a kid, it was Sean William Sells. What have you done? Uh, but here we have this Christ Jesus the Lord, not to show that he's in trouble, but again, to emphasize, to get our attention who he is. He is Jesus who is the Christ. That means the Messiah, the ones that the, ones that the Jews have all been waiting for, but he's also the Lord. He's the boss. He's the one that's in charge. That's the Jesus that you received, continue to walk in him, holding on to that idea, holding on to that concept. And as you continue to walk in him, he then tells us in verse seven, that's where you get firm roots, having been firmly rooted. That's where you get built up. That's where you get established in your faith. These are the things that they were instructed in initially, and they just need to be overflowing with gratitude in those things, to continue to return yourself to those very basic key things that you were taught when you first became a Christian, to remind yourself over and over and over that Jesus is the promised Messiah, that he is the Lord, and that's the thing that I'm gonna walk in. That's the faith that I wanna be grounded in, built in, established in. I want to be reminded of all those things 
and that's where I'm going to really find joy and gratitude. So when somebody comes along and they make an amazing argument, they might even make a convincing argument of something else. They might say, man, when I looked at this thing, it was like my eyes were open for the first time. I read this book. You've just got to read it. Just continue to go back to, that's not how I received Jesus Christ the Lord. I received him simply by faith, trusting and hoping in him that that's where I was going to find some sort of growth, some sort of peace, some sort of hope. That's where I was going to find my joy. That's where I was going to find my encouragement. So Paul's first struggle that someone will delude you with persuasive arguments, he says, just receive, as you receive Jesus Christ, walk in him. Just continue going in that direction. Even if somebody makes a great argument over here, Keep going after Jesus Christ. Verse 8 will bring us now the second struggle that Paul has. Uh, He says in verse 8, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him you have been made complete, And he is the head over all rule and authority. And in him you are also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised you from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. He's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. So... Now we see the next thing that he's concerned about. He's concerned uh, not just that we'll be deluded, but we'll also be taken captive through philosophy, deception, tradition, worldly principles, all of these things. And he's going to go into each one of these uh, again in greater detail as he finishes up this chapter. But he's just worried about all the, the, the thought crime really that's going on out there. Anything that people can do to change your mind or switch the way that you're thinking in order order to get you drawn away from Jesus Christ. He really is worried about that. It's a real concern back in in Paul's time in the city of Colossae, uh, but I think it's actually a worry for us today. We have so much access to information. Uh, It's so easy for us to find information and to begin looking at all these different ideas and all these different concepts, and each one of these concepts will have a certain appeal to us, but Satan will use those to take us captive, to steal us away, to enslave us to a false religion, a false faith that won't lead to a salvation, that won't lead to a forgiveness of sins. He says this word here, captive, that you be taken captive. It's a a word that's intended to have power when you hear it, to feel like you've been kidnapped, like you've been attacked in some way. Well, Paul certainly doesn't want us to have to worry about that. And so in verse 9, he begins what will be a long answer to this question, but summarized in this, in verse 9 and 10, he says, For in him, speaking of Jesus Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete." 
This is the whole idea here. This is really the theme that all runs all the way through this book and is really running through this chapter. It's that Jesus is God. In him, it says in verse nine, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in verse 10, in him you have been made complete. If he is fully God, then he can provide for you everything you need to be complete in your faith. You do not need to be distracted by strange philosophies. You do not need to be confused by tradition. You don't need the principles of the world. The principles of the world will not make you a better believer. This is something I want to make clear. Uh, It's very popular now. We get caught up in leadership books and habit-forming books. We look into all of these things, and we're thinking to ourselves, if we just keep working these worldly systems into our faith, that somehow it's going to make our faith better. Now, those things can become a distraction to our faith. Instead, what we want to see is that we find all of our completeness, all of our fullness, all of our hope, all of our joy, all of it in Jesus Christ, who is God, the fullness of God in bodily form. And again, if that's who Jesus is, he doesn't need worldly principles. He doesn't need our traditions. He doesn't need philosophy. He doesn't need any of that stuff. Now look, this isn't a a thing saying you need to uh, abstain from taking philosophy classes. This isn't a thing that that says you need to abstain from the concept of traditions. Uh, There are some traditions that we all have and those things can be valuable and beneficial, particularly the ones that point us closer to Jesus Christ, right? It's not that those things are necessarily in and of themselves bad. It's not even that some of the principles of the world are necessarily bad. It's just that those things are not the necessary things for our salvation. Those things are not the necessary things to bring us a fullness of joy in God. Those are things that can be confusing to our faith, not building to our faith, if we don't have them in the right perspective, that they're all about revealing who Jesus is. He wants us to see how complete we are. Uh, He's going to borrow just a couple of illustrations, and he's going to take these two illustrations of, of, of walking into the faith And he's going to now meld them together in Jesus Christ. The first illustration is the Jewish picture of circumcision. In the Old Testament, uh, when you became a Jew, you had to go through circumcision. So the babies were circumcised, but even adults, if they became a Jew, if they were like from another nation or something, when they became Jewish, they had to go through this process of circumcision. Of course, we don't want to talk about the details of what that is. If you don't know what it is, I was going to say look it up. Don't even look it up. If you don't know what it is, check a actual word dictionary. Don't go online. Don't even look into that online. But if you don't know what it is, look in a dictionary to figure out what circumcision is. Um, But... Uh, That being said, uh, he's going to take the other picture, the New Testament picture of baptism. So when we've become Christians, we were baptized. But he's going to actually take these two uh, ideas that kind of demonstrate coming into the faith. And he's going to meld them together uh, all through his son, Jesus Christ. Here's what Paul says here. Uh, He says this, uh, in him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Uh, What he's basically saying is, baptism is your moment of circumcision, not the removal of a, a small piece of flesh, 
but in baptism we're being shown this picture of the removal of all of our fleshly desires all of our sins being removed at that moment of baptism when Jesus died and was buried our sins were died and buried with him so when we're baptized we go under the waters to be buried with Jesus being put to death with him it tells us in Romans chapter 6 and then raised up to a new life in Jesus Christ. Our old life is dead now. And so you can see how you don't need anything else to do this. If your old life is put to death, you've been raised to a new life in Jesus Christ, and Jesus is fully God, then you can be made complete in him. You don't need all of these other things that become distractions. He says more about this in verse 13. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Well, this is one of those uh, pieces of scripture I like to quote often. When I talk about what Jesus does with our sins, I have this kind of long list in my mind of things that scripture tells us God will do with our sins. And so uh, we know that God casts our sins as far as the east is from the west. He buries our sins in the sea of forgetfulness. He takes our sins and it says he throws them behind his back. It says he puts them and he tramples them under his feet. That's what he does with our sins. But it also says that the all-knowing God remembers our sins no more. And hear what he tells us in Colossians 2, that he forgave us our sins by canceling out that certificate of debt that lists out all of our sins on it. And he even describes that little piece of paper that lists out all of our sins as hostile. He says basically he nailed it to the cross. And when Jesus died, the price for those sins was paid by him and that really is the gospel Christ died for our sins and was buried then raised on the third day that is the gospel of Jesus Christ and he keeps returning to that concept of Jesus in the gospel over and over as the answer to each of these problems we've looked at the first two there's more to come but each one of those problems each one of those difficulties struggles that Paul has is answered by the person and work of Jesus Christ he finishes up this little section here in verse 15. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. And so here we have God now disarming rulers and authorities, making public display of them, triumphing over them through the resurrected Jesus Christ. That's what was accomplished at the cross. Again, you don't need anything else because that's amazing enough to make you complete. When Jesus Christ, who is fully God, pays the price for your sins, your sins are fully paid for, period. You don't need to do penance. You don't need to do good works to earn those forgiveness. You don't need to follow traditions to get that forgiveness. You don't need any of that. You've already gained it through faith in Jesus Christ. By grace, through faith, apart from works, Paul will say in the book of Ephesians. Well, the third struggle Paul has, we see in verse 16 and 17. He says, therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, 
but the substance belongs to Christ. Well, his next struggle is that there might be then people who will be judging you because you're not following Jewish traditions. You're not uh, doing the things that Jews are typically doing, uh, watching specific foods, kosher and non-kosher, things that they're allowed to eat, things that they're not allowed to eat. Uh, Maybe there's gonna be people that are worried that you're not celebrating the Jewish feasts like you should, or are people who are worried that you're not bringing sacrifices at the new moon, or that you're not uh, celebrating the Sabbath in the way that they do, where they would gather together every Saturday. That's their Sabbath day, and here we are meeting on Sunday. Maybe we're doing it wrong. There's a whole denomination that sprung up out of this concept. Uh, the Seventh-day Adventists who kind of returned back to that idea because in, in that way, they think they're somehow being more faithful to God. Well, what Paul is saying here is those things aren't that important and don't let people judge you for those things. Do not let people judge you because you don't eat kosher, because you don't celebrate the Jewish feasts or because you worship on Sunday. Don't let people judge you for those things. Well, Paul tells us why they shouldn't judge us in verse 17, because those things are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Jesus Christ. He says those things were just shadows of Jesus. Those things were just uh, foreshadowing, pointing forward to Jesus, but they weren't really the substance of what Jesus was trying to accomplish. They were all designed to point forward to Jesus Christ. Uh, You might recall this in the Gospel of Luke after Jesus has died on the cross, resurrected, and then at the road uh, to Emmaus, I believe it is, he sees these uh, disciples and he begins to share with them from the beginning everything that the word had said about him leading up to his birth. All the stuff that you see in the Old Testament showing how it pointed forward to Jesus Christ. This is why we study the Old Old Testament on Wednesday nights so that we can get these these glimpses, this foreshadowing, these shadows of Jesus. Of course, you guys know how a shadow works. Here's the real thing. The shadow lays in front of it. Well, some people are worshiping the shadow, but they're missing the one who casts the shadow. So they're looking at these Jewish festivals as if that is worship. But those Jewish festivals were just supposed to be a picture to Jesus Christ. They're looking at food laws as a way of worship. But no, those food laws were just to tell us that we should live different, that we should live holy. That was the intent. That was the hope. Now, I don't want you to think to yourself, well, we shouldn't ever celebrate those things or ever think of those things. No, we do think of those things. We do celebrate them, but we only celebrate them in light of Jesus Christ. So if I'm gonna participate in a Jewish festival, it's only gonna be for the purpose of, of pointing forward and reminding people how Jesus is the fulfillment of that. How on the day of Pentecost, the church was born. How on the, uh, on the Passover, there's the celebration of the death of Jesus. On the first fruits was the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. How we look forward to the celebration of trumpets, which will be the rapture of the church by Jesus. And we look forward to those things. These are the things we want to celebrate in those. When it says the Sabbath day, well, we've been taught in the book of Hebrews that Jesus is the Sabbath. We don't find our rest in a day. We find our rest in a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. All of those things are shadows. Uh, Verses 18 and 19, it says, 
Uh, and this will be now the, the fourth struggle that the apostle has. Fourth struggle here in verses 18 and 19. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels, taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by fleshly mind, not holding fast to the head from whom the entire body being supplied and held together by joints and ligaments grows with a growth which is from God. Well, here in verse 18, we now have his fourth concern, his fourth struggle, and that is that people will defraud you. And again, the language he's using here is so powerful. Delude. Uh, The second one that he used uh, back in chapter one was captive, to take captive. And then in verse 16, it was to judge you. And then now here in verse 18, this idea of defrauding you, stealing from you. You don't want anybody to steal from you. Well, how do they do that? Uh, Things like worshiping angels, things like visions, as if you have to have some super extra spiritual experience to really enjoy complete fullness in Jesus Christ. That's not where you grow. Oh, some people will say, they'll say to you, oh, it's so great that you've accepted Jesus. Now you just need this extra spiritual experience to really grow in your faith. Once this happens, then you'll be a true growing Christian. And they'll They'll put all kinds of things into that equation. Uh, Maybe it's speaking in tongues. Uh, Maybe it's hearing from angels or seeing visions or speaking prophecies or you have to hear from a certain prophet. Man, all of those things are a distraction sometimes from Jesus Christ. You don't need any of those things because you have Jesus Christ. And so Paul's solution, again, goes back to Jesus. Hold fast to Jesus so that God can help you grow. He says it this way in verse 19, not holding fast to the head from which the entire body being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments grows with a growth which is from God. Uh, Essentially, the picture he's trying to give us there is of a decapitated body. But if you have uh, this desire to seek spiritual things apart from Jesus Christ, it's a decapitated body. And a decapitated body will never grow. But if you hold fast to the head who is Jesus, don't lose your head on these things. Hold fast to the head who is Jesus. That's where you actually will find growth in your faith. And it's a growth that will be supplied by God. Uh, The last one we find here in verse 20 And I'm going to cheat a little bit and go all the way to verse 4 in chapter 3. But I I think we need to do that to get the full answer here. Uh, Verse 20. If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to things destined to perish with use in accordance with the commandments and teachings of men. These are matters which have to be sure the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above 
where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For now you have, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Well, the next thing that Paul's worried about is somebody might trick you into submitting yourself to a man-made religious system of rules, a completely man-made version of religion. He calls it here uh, decrees is one place. Uh, he calls it commandments and teachings of men. In verse 23 then, uh, it's things that have the appearance of wisdom, self-made religion, self-abasement, severe treatment of the body. Uh, this whole idea that if you don't uh, torture your soul and your flesh for God, you're never really going to overcome your sin. You're never really going to be forgiven. You're never really going to walk in victory. And so people will put themselves through all levels of, of, of self-torture, really, of these, uh, these practices that they put out there. But if there's no submitting to Jesus Christ, none of those things are at issue. Again, here, think again of these five words. Here's the words that he's used to describe false teachings here. First and, and foremost, you have this uh, idea uh, in the first one of delusion. Uh, the second one, that first so they go from deluding you to captivating you to judging you to defrauding you and now forcing you into submission. And that's really the way some people see religion. It's, it's just a tool to beat you into submission. And they'll use all of these different practices out there that they can kind of beat you into uh, to submission. And so they have a bunch of rules that do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Don't drink or smoke or dance or go with girls who do. You don't do any of those things. You can't play cards. Women, if your hair is not up in a bun, if you're not wearing a dress past your ankles, it's just this, this whole idea of kind of on the outside conforming but never conforming the inside. And he tells us all of those things have no value against fleshly indulgence. And here's why. Because I could have no faith in Jesus Christ and do those things. That doesn't make me a Christian. And it doesn't prevent me from having a sin nature. If I could defeat the sin nature within me all by myself, Jesus would have never had to die. But these people who teach you have to do all of these extra things apart from Jesus Christ to, to be conformed to his image, man, they're forcing you to submit to decrees that are of no value. They're worthless. So what is Paul's solution? Well, again, his solutions always point back to Jesus. It always goes back to Jesus. Verse uh, one of chapter three. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will be revealed with him in glory. The whole response then should not be to torture yourself into submission, but instead to focus your attention on the things above, the things of God, the things of Jesus Christ. That's where he wants us to be. He wants us to, to have our mind on the right things. And as you think on the right things... Eventually, it changes your mind, which changes your heart, which will change your actions. They're trying to do it backwards, thinking if you change the actions, 
It'll change the heart. And then God will be required to let you enter into his heaven. That's backwards. That does not work. It always starts with Jesus Christ. And it always ends with submission to Jesus Christ. It's the beginning and the end. He is the whole story. He is every bit of our faith wrapped up in a nice package for us. He is the gift of God to us. All of our attention should be going towards him. So no longer let people delude you. Don't let people take you captive. Don't let people judge you. Don't let people defraud you of your faith. And don't let people force you into submission of all kinds of new rules. You don't need any of those things. What you need is to continue to walk with Jesus. You need to continue to recognize that he is fully God and he makes you complete. You need to continue to recognize that uh, all the Jewish laws were just a shadow of Jesus, but he's the substance that we're looking for. We need to hold fast in him. And we need to keep our minds on him. As we do those things, as we put him at the center of our faith, that's where we find salvation. With that, I think we should just pray and put our minds on him. Heavenly Father, so thankful for today and thankful for your word. Lord, I pray that this would be true of us. I recognize that there's a world of people out there who want to distract us from you. But today, in this moment, we've chosen to focus on you. And we're praying that that will uh, pay dividends in our heart and in our life, that we will begin to grow and flourish. They'll be able to walk with you and experience overflowing joy, overflowing freedom in your son, Jesus Christ, in whom we hope as our Messiah and whom we trust as our Lord, in whom we follow with all that we have. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you. Love you. And hopefully we'll get to see you next Sunday. Be safe. Be warm.